Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to the Business Creators Radio Show, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please explore our episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. Also check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Fresh content is updated every single week. We now have over 100 episodes. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Today, we are going to cover one of the most timeless, one of the most ubiquitous concepts that I see every time I go online almost. Almost every day I go into a discussion group on LinkedIn or on Facebook that's about leveraging your business, growing your business, creating a virtual team, some of these timeless topics. And one of the big questions that comes up is, how do I find and work with a great virtual assistant? How do I leverage a virtual assistant so they are investment, not an expense? And I am happy to have with us today Elaine Whitfield. And just to tell us a little bit about Elaine, I'm so excited, by the way, to have her with us because I've seen what she has to offer. I've followed her uh, her websites, Online Marketing Made Simple, Executive Assistance, and I've had the opportunity to speak with her before bringing her on the radio show. So I can tell you right now, you are in for a treat. Elaine is a true Canadian trailblazer, and she's been hailed as one of the premier master virtual assistants in Canada. She's always one step ahead of the pack. Elaine has made the natural transition to online marketing management many years ago when the movement was little more than an abstract idea in the minds of many. Now, regarded as an expert in the field, she remains the president of Executive Assistance Business Solutions Incorporated and is the CEO of OMM Solutions, in addition to being the creator of Online Marketing Made Simple and the director of both the Global Alliance of Virtual Assistants and the Canadian Association of Virtual Assistants. She's the co-author of How to Build a Successful Virtual Assistant Business, which is used in VA college diploma programs. See, look, the virtual assistance movement is now moving into the colleges. We never thought it would get there, but it's getting there. She's a champion of small business in Canada. I'm a champion of small business in the United States. We kind of have the whole continent bracketed except for Mexico, and we're shortly going to have that person on as well. And she's the very epitome of the entrepreneurial spirit. Elaine is a gifted business person, author, mentor, speaker, and trainer. Elaine, welcome aboard. Wow, thank you very much. Yes, Happy I, to be here. Yes, I just committed to another guest in introducing you. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's, that's how it rolls sometimes. So I'm so happy to have you here. Now, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, which, as I said, is a timeless topic, and I know a lot of people were tuned in today because they're still trying to figure this out years into being in business, is let's take a step back and give those of our listeners sure. who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little. I read off your official bio, so just tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about your background, your story, and just kind of what brought you to where you are today. Sure. Okay. So um, I worked in corporate Canada, and um, I guess it was around 1999. My family had a car accident, and my husband was left uh, paraplegic. Right. So we had to move out of our big city home that went up into a kind of a 
smaller town where we could accommodate the wheelchair and his needs. We had uh, three small children at the time. And so it was a big deal. It was a big move. I couldn't go to work anymore. I had to do something to to bring in money. I was the only paycheck. So I was looking at what can I do online. And there are some crazy things that people can do online. True. I wasn't really interested in them. So um, <laughs> I became a virtual assistant. Right. And then kind of like the train derailed and my marriage ended. So now I was homeless with two small children with me living in a trailer and building my business in a tent in the evenings while they slept. So it wow. was kind of kind of a crap show. And um, I just I didn't have any money like to build a business. I didn't have a budget for marketing. So I just began learning and learning and learning. And within a few months, I had a couple of retainer clients. I was back in business. We had a place to live. And it's just kind of just kept growing since then. That's fantastic. Uh, and I just love that story of perseverance you've shared with us. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, perseverance is what really makes us successful. I mean, there are so many stories out there. And really what they all come down to is just persevering, um, standing up to the odds, building the business in a tent in the evening while the kids slept. I mean, there's so many different approaches we've seen to people building their businesses. So many stories. Uh, some of them are the rag to riches variety. Some are the uh, struggle against overwhelming odds variety. Some are both. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, Lane, here in the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody says they need to do except for time and money. Now, this is a question <laughs> we ask every expert who appears on our show. What I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. And that you giggled tells me you have, an, you have a thought on this. So how do time and money impact what we're going to talk about today? Well, uh, I mean, time and money impacts everything. Um, right. So there are people who have no time and no money, and there are people who have lots of both. In either case, there are ways to offload some of the tasks and projects that are better left to someone else. Right. Okay, that's a very short answer, uh, but I guess that's <laughs> what it really comes down to. Uh, you invest a little bit of money and you get a lot of time, and ultimately you get a lot more money. So, I mean, it's, right. a, it's a pretty classic formula. So. I mean, there are ways. I've talked to people who have absolutely no budget but are so overwhelmed by tasks like bookkeeping. Yes. They might be a creative person and bookkeeping is not their shtick and it takes them forever. And, you know, I've suggested some barter arrangements for those people where they find someone else, they find someone who, who needs their services, who maybe can provide services to them, and then they trade. So even with, with no dollar budget, there are creative ways to get the services that you need um, when you need them to allow you to make more money <laughs> so that you can then hire other services. Okay, let's, let's bookmark that because I want to come back to that in a few moments. 
But what I'd like to do first, and this is something I see in masterminds I participate in all the time. People find themselves in that situation where their business may be doing okay, uh, but they're afraid to take that move of hiring a virtual assistant. And I think there's two things that come into play, one of which is they're afraid that if they outsource some things, the other person might not be able to do it as well or do it the same way, which you know, as you and I both know is kind of a short-sighted view. Or they may mm -hmm. think, well, I, you know, I'm barely getting by just doing all the work as is. So if I have to pay somebody else, then that's actually money out of my pocket. And then when you try and argue the whole leverage thing and how that can basically be doubling your business's productivity, they'll say, but where do I get those other clients? And you've probably heard that a hundred times before. So you tell me, based on your experience, when's the time to hire a virtual assistant? Well, I mean, I think the time to hire a virtual assistant is when you're doing things for your business that you do badly. Okay. So straight up, I mean, that's your first answer. If you're doing things that you do really badly, you know, you need to bring someone else on. If you start doing things that, um, not necessarily that you do badly, but other people could do better and more efficiently, then that's kind of the next step. Um, at sometimes at the beginning when people have, you know, they're stuck and they don't have enough work to do, they don't mind spending eight hours, you know, reconciling their bank statement. But what <laughs> I always like to, to um, I kind of like to explain it as, as a business owner, what do you feel like your value is on an hourly basis? What do you feel if someone was paying you, because sometimes it's a product, sometimes it's a service. But if someone was paying you to do your job, what you do really well, you know, as a coach or whatever, what would your hourly value be? And people yeah. will often say, well, you know, $150 an hour, $500 an hour, right. you know, whatever they say. And then so I say, so would you hire a bookkeeper for $500 an hour who has no idea what they're doing? Because that's what you're doing. You're hiring yourself as a really bad bookkeeper and you're using up $500 in value for every hour you spend doing that bookkeeping. Wow. That is a new way of looking at it. I've never heard it phrased quite that way before. Uh, I've heard similar phraseology, but I just want to repeat that for our listeners. You're hiring a very bad bookkeeper and paying them $500 an hour to do a bad job. Yeah. Wow. And they think that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yes. Whoa, yeah, that's I, I've talked good. to a couple people with that with that little analogy, and um, who've immediately hired bookkeepers. So, um, and I have too. Like, I'm in the same position as everyone else. I started out on my own, and I knew I was as far as I could go alone, and knew I needed help. And my first thought was, well, I want someone local so that I can see them, and you know, they're like tangible. They're and I'm laughing because that's the problem of a lot of business owners. They cannot conceive of hiring someone virtual. And I'm a virtual assistant, and I need help, and I'm also thinking that I, I need someone local. So I did actually find someone local, um, right. but I never met – I didn't see them. So I, I was able to wrap my, my head around how to do everything virtually from, um, from the client standpoint – um, and that really did give me some insight to understand why people are so reluctant and find it so difficult to really grasp how a virtual relationship could work in business. Yeah, that I, I love I love all that. So uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take this a little bit of a step further. And you've kind of 
halfway answered the question already, but for some people, it may not be quite as obvious. And how do you figure out exactly what is the best thing to outsource and what is the best thing to keep on yourself? Because I know people who would argue that bookkeeping is one of those few things you don't want to let go because it's your dollars. So tell me, what would be a process for helping the individual person figure out what is the best thing to outsource and what is the best thing to keep on yourselves? I think it's um I think it's a pretty straightforward equation. And depending on the budget that you have for outsourcing, you want to start with the things that you do badly. And then the more budget you have for outsourcing, you want to eventually get rid of all of the things that other like that another individual can do better. So you don't necessarily do it badly, but someone else could do it better. Right. And more efficiently. Yeah. yeah. So um I'm not saying let go of your dollars. I'm just saying, saying let someone else manage your numbers. Um, obviously, it needs to be someone that you can that you can trust. And you know, there are larger bookkeeping firms that have all kinds of insurance, and um, you know that you might feel more comfortable with on the trust level. Um, or it might be your cousin who's got a bookkeeping business, and you're okay to share your numbers um, with them. But if you do numbers badly, and I keep I use that as an example because I'm so bad at it. <laughs> um, so if you if you're not great with numbers, it's much more efficient to have someone else. I know that my bookkeeper can reconcile my bank statement in 15 minutes. Yeah. And it takes takes me hours. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I myself, um, I can uh, I can reconcile a bank statement in uh, in uh, 10 minutes. You know how I do it? Um, I spend two minutes downloading the online feed, five minutes clicking buttons to say assign to this category, assign to this category, assign to this category, assign to this category. And from minute nine to 10, and I do this once a year as I forward the file to my accountant. Okay. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. So that's a combination of outsourcing and the use of technology to automate certain processes that do not have to be done manually. And I have found working with virtual assistants myself that they have opened my vista to some of these automations that I didn't even know were available. Yes, that's true too. And the more automated we get, the better, the better and worse life gets because sometimes the automation can be a lifesaver and then sometimes the learning curve is a factor too which is why you know if you own a business that um you know doesn't require you to learn the automation automation then hiring a really great virtual assistant whose business you know really is dependent on her keeping up on the automation that's available then right. that's a great fit right 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 uh just to give you an example and this is one i love of how virtual assistants and supporting your business have become automated. Uh, when is the last time you've seen a virtual assistant actually be personally involved in scheduling appointments for their clients? Um, it, it happens, but not, but rarely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had a virtual, I had a virtual assistant who I was coaching recently say she wanted to put together a package to schedule phone appointments for her clients. And I was kind of shaking my head because everyone pretty much has a booking link nowadays. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, 
I have schedulewithadam.com. Uh, almost everybody has schedule with or book with or whatever their name.com and are using softwares or, or systems like Time Trade, Schedule Once, and there are a few others out yes. there. Um, I used to have mm -hmm. an assistant who handled my scheduling for me. And then uh, as soon as she suggested that we move to an automated system, I'm thinking, oh, that's cool. You mean we don't even actually speak, have to speak to the people? They can just book themselves in? Cool. Right. Great. I love, great. love it. I love it to the point where if somebody comes to me and says, hey, when are you available to talk? I say, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just pause. I say, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I, they, I have this thing. It's called schedulewithadam.com. So you go on there, find a time that works for the both of us, put yourself in. And give me, you know, and tell me, you know, how you want to do it, whether it's phone or Skype or whatever. And in the comments section, tell me what you want to discuss. You don't even have to clear it with me. If there's a reason why we don't need to speak, I'll cancel it. But other than that, just go do it. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah, that's no. The first, that's the first time. The second time they say, hey, when can we talk? I say, well, uh, I, as I said last time, I really don't know. I don't keep track of my own schedule. I have this thing called Schedule Once. And just go to schedulewithadam.com and put yourself in. The third time they ask, they say, no, I just say never. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't hear me the first two times. But the great part about that story is the f if you didn't have that virtual assistant, you would not have saved all that money. Bingo. Or time. Yes, that's where I was right? going. And, and what's yeah. really great about that is if you do need to get your virtual assistant involved in scheduling, let me give you an example of this. My travel plans for, uh, for an upcoming event that I'm speaking at just changed. So I have to leave three days earlier than I thought I was going to. So I had to have a lot of appointments moved that people had already booked themselves in for. So she was able to, using the technology, have automated reschedule requests go out. How about that? And, yeah, what's, no, and what's even better about that is not only did these reschedule requests go out just by her literally pushing a button and typing a few words as to why I need the reschedule requests, but if the people did not reschedule themselves, it would have bugged them until they did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it would have. Yeah. These yeah. appointments would have gotten changed one way or the other. And, you know, the beautiful part is with her having to literally type out a phrase, copy paste it three times and click three buttons. We got all three of those appointments moved within 20 minutes. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, and no human being had to send any emails. No human being had to make any phone calls. No human being had to explain anything. Yeah, I mean, it's a great thing, and I, I, I believe that I know your virtual assistant, and yes. we, uh, we have some great mastermind groups where somebody, one of us, discovers some new technology, um, new automation, new tools. We bring it to our group and, you know, we support and promote, like support each other so that we're always on the cutting edge. One of us always, you know, finds it early um, and suggests it to the others. So it's an easy way for us to, without doing a lot of research and that, you know, we all have access to these, um, these tools almost immediately when they hit the market. Right. And I, and I love the community that comes together. So how do I find the help that I would need within my budget? Let's say I was looking for a virtual assistant. How would I find the help that I need and how do I find it within my budget? And uh, the second part of this question is, and I know this is one of those things that uh, is going to be a little bit difficult to answer, but what is the going rate for a virtual assistant? Yeah, the going rate. Um, so, well, let's start with um, how do you find, first of all, well, sorry, how do you find a virtual assistant in your budget? First of all, you want to determine your budget. 
Um, you want to you want to make out a list. What's my budget, and what do I need them to do? If your budget is five dollars an hour, and you need them to you know code your JavaScript, then you may be out of luck. But there yes. are lots of <laughs> options. I mean, I there are there are offshore options. I, I'm not going to not talk about them as if they don't exist. They do right. exist. Um, and some people who are starting out and have a uh, a tight budget might look at those offshore options where they're dealing in a third world country whose rates may not be um, as high as some other countries. And I, I've, I know people who have had luck in that area. I know a lot of people who, uh, who haven't had luck in that area sure. and who have invariably come to us because, you know, they are finding the get, you get what you pay for adage was true for them. But it is something that, you know, it's a personal decision whether or not you want to um, to go out there and, and see if that works for you. There's there's cultural differences. There can be language differences. There's time differences. So it might be, you know, more of a challenge. But if your tasks are simple, that might be something that you right. want to look at. Um, and then there's, um, you know, a virtual assistant who's just starting out. Sometimes people who are just starting out, you can find a gem. Like you can find someone who's so intelligent and you know, well-educated and well-spoken and has lots of skills, but they're just starting out, so they really want to bring clients on. And that might be an opportunity for you to find someone who really needs the experience. And so you might be able to get a better rate. Another thing is if you need a lot of help, let's say you need 20 hours a week of help right. or you know, 40 hours a month, Correct. then a lot of times you can get, you know, a lower price because based on volume, just like anything, any any product or service in our world basically works like that. So, um, you know, so that does work here too. So sure. the going rate for a virtual assistant, I'm, I work, our, my association is global, so we have people from everywhere. And th there definitely is, uh, some local influences. Um, some countries just have a higher cost of living, so they, you know, they just have to charge more. I want to say that for a new virtual assistant, um, like an entry-level virtual assistant, within the first couple years of their business, you're going to get someone anywhere. And I mean, this is always based on skills, education, what they bring to the table. But it might be twenty-five to forty dollars an hour. Maybe okay. a little lower, depending if they're new, if they're just building their business. But that's where that's where you're probably going to be to get a quality virtual assistant. Now, someone who's a senior virtual assistant, like who's been around for ten years and is you know is coming in as a full partner in your business, and that rate is going to be higher. Right. And if you're look if you're looking at a specialized service, for instance somebody who is certified in Infusionsoft, so an Infusionsoft certified VA, you could be paying $125, $150 an hour for that virtual assistant service. Yeah. So it's such a wide scope and it really, you know, it's, it's on a case-by-case -case basis and it, it depends on your needs and their abilities and there you have it. Okay, there is one thing that we bookmarked earlier, and now I'd like to pull that bookmark out and turn to that page. Uh, you mentioned something very early on about how you get the help you need when you have no money at all. So um, when I started out, um, I, I didn't know a lot about starting my own business. 
but I had I was trying to network at uh, local events and online events, and I met a woman who was a business coach, and she was visually impaired. She needed someone who could create her letterheads and her contracts to go out to her coaching clients, uh, not contracts like agreements. I'm not a lawyer, but and so we right. we formed a relationship where I was doing that kind of admin for her, and she was coaching me. And in the end, my business flourished, and so did her practice. Um, and her clients were taken care of, and they were followed up with. And um, so neither one of us had cash, but we both had some time, and we leveraged that time to the benefit of each of our businesses. Okay. And am I hearing correctly what you said kind of between the lines there, where you ended up actually sharing a bunch of clients, where she gave them business coaching and you gave them virtual assistance? We we actually did – We well – she did. She she definitely sent referrals, and um, I work with her to this day. So that's 15 years later, and right. she does refer clients to me, and I also have referred uh, coaching clients to her. So right. um, I don't think we've ever worked on the same with the same client at the same time. But we definitely that that referral um, that referral network is amazing. And when you find someone who you've tried their service and they've really made a difference for you, you want to share that information with other people that you know that you admire and like and respect. Okay, yeah, that that's fantastic. Yeah. Now, um, I want to make um, I want to make another uh, point here, and this is actually sort of a counterpoint to something you said a few moments ago. And you mentioned that one of the ways that you could potentially scale your virtual assistant and get help with the rates is if you're giving them a lot of business, ask them for a discount because you're delivering such volume. Now, a counter argument to that would be that if that virtual assistant is going to put so many eggs in your basket and you want to be the star client and get all the preferential treatment and your stuff is always first no matter what, that you should actually pay more for them. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting viewpoint. Um, it, 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 it's always an individual case. For instance, my virtual assistant business is a team. You know, so I have a team, um, a lot of different players, and if I bring on a client who wants 80 hours a month, that's it, they're not really taking any of my time. Okay. It's just more time divided up amongst the team. So in my business model, it makes sense. Everybody is first in our um, in our practice because we have an amazing team. If we need to bring on another project manager or somebody who offers, you know, another social media person, we do that. We scale the team to the clients. So right. But you're right. For someone who's working on their own as an individual and someone's going to take up all of their time, first of all, that's a scary thing to do because if that client leaves, then uh -huh. that can really affect your yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, yep. um, you caught that. Good job. Yeah. So, um, yeah, individual basis I keep, I keep coming back to. Right, and, I, and, I, and that's what I want people to hear, and that's going to be a trend you're going to continue to hear for the rest of the hour here, is that this is a case-by-case -case basis. We can go into discussion groups all we want. We can say, what's the best way to hire a virtual assistant? What's the rate for a virtual assistant? Uh, how do I know that my virtual assistant is uh, going to be any good? Uh, mm -hmm. What software do I use to manage my virtual assistant? And when it comes down to it, it's going to be a case by case basis, uh, I see mm -hmm. many conversations about, well, what's the best 
project management software to use? And my usual answer to that is if you try and give me one more project management software, I don't log into the ones I already have. You need something to help <laughs> me, for goodness sakes. Uh, I mean, if, if, you know, if my virtual assistants want to use project management software, I think that's great. As long as my interaction with it can be, uh, just like I'm sending and responding to emails. I mean, just tell me right. which email address to email to so that it goes into your system and creates a ticket. And then the reply to it should come back to me as an email. And then I can just reply to that email. So you may be dealing with tickets and I'm dealing with an emails, whatever. It doesn't matter right. to me as long as I don't have another thing I have to log into. Cause I log into enough things already on a daily basis basis. Right. I'm a busy man. I do not have time for this. And you can imagine the virtual yeah. assistant will eventually have 30 or 40 clients and they each have their own uh, system, whether they're using uh, teamwork or Basecamp or one of the 50 others out there. Can you imagine how many logins a person could have? Yeah, no, I can definitely. Holy. But what I, what I believe is that the what goes on behind the scenes at the virtual assistant side should really be seamless to the client. All the client should see is productivity, you know, great services, um, things, you know, a buildup of trust where they know they don't have to check documents, they don't have to check web changes, they don't have to double check how somebody de dealt with, you know, with their client. They should just be seeing, you know, awesome value and whatever happens behind the scenes should not be seen by them. Right. And, and, you know, in, in my business, when we build conversion funnels, a lot of times, you know, we're uh, dealing with situations where we have multiple different softwares that don't integrate together seamlessly. So you would be amazed the level of clothespins and duct tape that are involved to create <laughs> for the end user. You know, that customer, that person with the credit card that's paying for it online looks like an easy, seamless experience. But on the back end, right. uh, the whole thing is thoroughly MacGyvered. So in the end, exactly. it doesn't really matter. And uh, even when I was in web development before 2010, when I used to have that kind of company, uh, I never got involved in APIs and PHP scripts and anything like that because in the end, it just doesn't matter. Because as soon as you build this thing out, somebody's going to come up with some new software that just integrates all this stuff anyway. So anything you're doing is pretty much temporary. Uh, I mean, I've had <laughs> web hosts come and go. I've had shopping carts come and go. I've had... Uh, internet marketing technologies come and go. I mean, rewind back to when you first started. Was there this thing called WordPress? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, even, there even, definitely even, wasn't. Even when I started out, and I haven't been in this nearly as long as you, uh, WordPress was this really clunky third-rate software that you could barely use for blogging. You had to do extra coding just to have widgets and uh, and uh, yep. your, your, your theme. You could do basically no edits to that thing whatsoever. And I'd say, people, can you please use Blogger? <laughs> I mean, that's how bad WordPress used to be. And I, I mean, as... I mean, even in 2007, uh, yeah. uh, there, were, there was a client of our firm, uh, uh, after their site was complete, uh, she asked, where's the widgets? I said, we can't do widgets. I told you this five times already. That's how bad WordPress used to be. And now WordPress is the driver of the internet, basically. Um, I, I mean, last time I checked, one out of five, maybe even one out of four websites is using WordPress. You have major media outlets using WordPress. You have celebrities using WordPress. I mean, this isn't just for the average entrepreneur. I mean, you got, uh, I mean, I haven't even, I haven't checked our White House website lately, but I have a funny feeling the President of the United States is using WordPress. I haven't checked <laughs> lately, but I'm willing to bet you. Yeah. Well, when I started out, we, um, 
we did websites. We coded websites in HTML. And um, when the first time I saw WordPress, I kind of scoffed at it. I was like, oh, that's never, ever going to be a thing. And now we develop exclusively in WordPress. So, right. <laughs> yep. Right, 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 right. So uh, I think this is going to be an asked and answered question, but I want to ask it just so you can answer it. Um, let's say that, uh, you know, there's a certain way that you want to do your technology and you have a virtual assistant that says, we just don't do that. I think the answer is you just find another VA, correct? That would be the answer. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I think from the VA's perspective, I would say if you have clients demanding you change your entire business model just for them, you don't have to. Yes. You don't no, have to. absolutely not. No. Yeah, as I like to say. I re we re Go ahead. Oh, we recently brought on a client, and they use their own uh, project management software. And so they said, well, we're going to get you logged into our project management software. And I said, no, I'm sorry. Like, my entire team runs on our project management software. Um, if you want one of us to be the, you know, be double – like doubling up on all the work and keeping yours up to date too, that's fine, but that would be an extra service that we provide and that would be billable. And right. so they didn't go that route. But, you know, it, it definitely is an option, but I, I can't change my project management software because then I won't sleep at night. Right. Yeah, because you have it all worked yeah. out. So I think mm -hmm. kind of where we're heading with some of these little anecdotes here is uh, just in general. I mean, how would I know that I'm hiring the best person for the job? How do I know I can trust them with passwords? How I know, can I know I can trust them with my business? Just how do I know they're going to do a good job? Well, I think, I think just, uh, just the same as hiring an employee, um, you know, you, you want to you check references. You want to check credentials. You want to talk to people. You want to really make sure – because this person has access to your online life. So you do want to make sure that they, um, you know, that they have integrity and their ethics are um, confirmed by others. Sometimes that's difficult when you're hiring someone new, but still there is no reason that a person should not have um, some references that you can, that you can check. Um, you can check credentials. Like if, if someone's, you can do a test job because I the the social media thing is very um, tricky because there's so many virtual assistants who say they can do social media, and and a lot of them not not I don't want to say a lot I don't even say a number but some a number of them um, are saying this because they've you know they've been on Facebook for five years right that doesn't mean they're a social media person right um, there are all kinds of there's certifications there's training. And if your social media person has no certification or your potential social media person, no certification, no training, no proven record, um, then they're not a social media person. So you, you want to really take this seriously. If someone says they can do Infusionsoft, ask, like, you, you need to see what they've done. You need to see the campaigns they've created. You need to see their certification. You right. need to see proof that they were trained. So... Um, Word of, it, I mean, it really is a small world. And so if you're looking for someone and you're online or, and you have a network of people, ask that network. If you're in a, you know, a LinkedIn group or a Facebook group for engineers, then go to that group and say, does anyone have any experience with a virtual assistant as an engineer and would you be able to provide recommendations? Because I think a virtual assistant who is geared to a specific business should be out there where those business people are. So if I'm a virtual assistant and I'm, you know, 
I work with engineers. That's my niche. And I right. should be in those groups where those engineers are. So right. there's also some great um, service providers who will find a virtual assistant for you. They, they'll interview you extensively. They'll find out what your criteria are, what your pet peeves are, the things that you, you know, your personality quirks, and find someone for you that will mesh with you. So there's definitely services um, available that will match you up. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, what I still want to get out is uh, how can we trust people? Because you know, when you have, yeah. uh, you're you're working with a virtual assistant or something like that, you are in many cases putting your business in their hands. Um, how do you, you know are. you can trust them with passwords and things like that? So, I mean, there are uh, tools that can give you some sense of security. Um, there's a tool called LastPass, and it's okay. a password saver. And then you can give your virtual assistant access to the websites without them being able to see the, your actual password. Oh, that's so interesting. In the event that it all goes sideways, you just revoke their access, and they can't get into anything. Okay. That's very interesting. So let me just get this right. So you log into this LastPass, and let's say you have uh, a WordPress admin, you have a cPanel for your your web hosting, you have a domain mm -hmm. registrar like Namecheap, GoDaddy, something like that. You have a shopping yeah. cart. You have uh, mm -hmm. you know you have your own like Basecamp or Teamwork. Uh, you have an Amazon S3 account. You can set it up right. so they can so they actually log in through LastPass. Yeah, so you would assign them a, a, like a, a user space in your LastPass. You would drag the passwords into their, I'm going to say folder for lack of a better word. Right. So that's what they have access to. Now, if they go to your Amazon S3 account, then they just click on the little LastPass icon and it fills it out for them. They can't see it. It's just stars and right. it gives them access. They can get in like that. So, um, so that's just one tool. There are lots of tools to protect yourself. But as many tools as there are to protect yourself, there's somebody also coming up with a way to get around it. That's true. So that's the world that we live in. Um, right. I think trust in a virtual relationship grows as trust in any relationship. And right. every time that someone proves themselves trustworthy, you know, we give we 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 trust them more. People get burned in in you know bricks and mortar businesses, choosing the wrong people. We have to be careful. We have to be diligent. We have to listen to our gut instincts. Um, it's all of the same factors figure in. Now, for yeah. me, I choose to trust, trust people. That's it. I, yes. I straight up choose to trust them. And if someone breaks my heart, you know, because, and they've, you know, they've tried to steal a client or done whatever, um, I cut my losses and I move on and I, I try not to look back at it because – I, I, for me personally, that's one stress I don't need. Right. Yeah, and, and I and I want to thank you for making that point, which is if it doesn't work out, just move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 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 here and here's here's another thing that I say, and uh, I get into arguments over this because I work with a couple different virtual assistance firms in my business that all position that both position themselves as the one-stop shop for everything. Well, number mm -hmm. one, they may both be one-stop shops, but I can tell you right now that uh, their range of services barely resemble each other. So I'm not sure exactly oh. what a one-stop shop is, but I think everybody defines that differently. So I honestly don't believe that exists, truly. I think it's the idea that you can work with them and they can do anything for you, I think is a general idea, but you're still going to find mm -hmm. within parameters. They may not necessarily use your project management software, as you gave an example. 
Uh, right. They may not have somebody who knows how to do wishlist member to set up your membership site. Uh, they may uh, be jinxed on GoToWebinar and therefore unable to support you with your webinars. I mean, there's a lot of things that could come up. And then number that's the first thing. Number two is redundancy is important in business too. Uh, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they, they frequently say, if you have only one, you have none. But if you have two, you have one. Yeah. Ever heard that? I have heard that. Yeah. So um, in terms of a virtual assistant, like um, some of the virtual assistants um, that work together in networks, like, how, you know, the same association, the same networks, they've, they've been building their businesses kind of alongside each other for years and years and years. Um, we have access to such a vast array of resources that I've never been put to the test. I, I've never had someone ask for a service that we could not accommodate right. um, using that network. So, but not everybody's model is the same. So right. there's, there are virtual assistants who really just do Microsoft document formatting and editing. Right. But, the, yeah, so... Yeah, and there are some that really what they do is they really are social media managers or they really are WordPress dynamos or they really are your person to load all your emails for your product launch. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we can approach this. And I am a big believer in niching within virtual assistants because I've, I have found that every virtual assistant I've ever worked with and every virtual assistant I've ever known may have a list of qualifications or things they can do that's 27 bullet points long. But when you really come down mm -hmm. to it, they really do two things. Or they really do one thing because that is just what it, that is just the intersection of their brilliance and their passion. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I that's a contrarian view. That's just what I tend to run into sometimes. Um yeah, I'm I'm just going to respectfully disagree. <laughs> that, 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 that's that's good. That's good. That's that's perf that's perfectly good. So, uh why don't you give me a counterpoint on that? Um Well, so what I believe is if you if you have a virtual assistant who's looking after your online you know, you have an online business and you have a virtual assistant. Right. If you're talking to one person who's doing your social media and another person who's doing your website updates, one, another person who's creating your IFOs, um, your lead magnets, uh -huh. doing your email marketing, and another person who's doing your press release, it's very hard to have a cohesive strategy to get the most out of your online marketing efforts. Okay. Um, when you have five different people who have their own even if they're following a, a written out strategy, they have their own take on it. They have their own spin. They have their own way of doing things. And they, it, it, the lack of cohesion can cost money and also cost you in terms of results. I could argue so that's, that's a good thing. And the reason I could argue that's a good thing is because now you have the exact opposite of tunnel vision. So instead of seeing things through one tunnel, now you're catching a lot of opportunities that just one person might miss because their vista can only be so wide. Yeah, no, I would have the multiple people involved in the creation of the strategy and then one team implementing the strategy so that everybody on the team is on the same page um, and, and, uh, and getting the best results for the least amount of uh, resources. So I don't think getting the best results for the least amount of resources is ever a bad thing. This is really good. So would, if I heard you correctly, you just drew a distinction between strategy and implementation. Is that what I heard? Well, there is a distinction between strategy, 
strategy and implementation. Well, yeah, we all, I, we all know that, but in terms of how the business functions, uh, which you just said a moment ago. Um, I'm not following you. Okay, so so I made the point that if you have five or six different actors in your business, then you have the benefit of not getting, shall we say, trapped by the tunnel vision of just one person. Because even if they believe their vista is wide, it can only be so wide. But if you have completely different points of view and people with different sets of experiences, you may end up with a better product. Now, what you're saying is that it's great to have that level of breadth when it comes to you know the strategy and planning process. When it comes to implementation, you want one streamlined way of implementing. Well, what I would say is my my choice, if I had an unlimited budget, my choice would be to bring an, an online marketing strategist, to bring that person in who's going to know everything about my business, my clients, my ideal clients, where I should – they're going to implement this. They're going to create the strategy. So we've got a strategy. We've got goals, and we've got goals in every aspect of, of online marketing. And then we have a team that comes together led by one person, Right. To implement the different aspects of the online marketing strategy to reach the overall goals. Now, each person, like, if you're a social media person, you don't necessarily have a clue about SEO. Right. But if you're both operating, if that social media person has the same goals in mind and the same strategies as the SEO person, then you're going to get cohesion, which is going to give you a better result. Right. Right now, uh, now at least it's you know it may it may feel like I were or uh, you know it may f you know you know it may at least feel like uh, I was uh, you know pushing you a little bit there, uh, but the reason is I really wanted to draw this out because this is something that I think a lot of people miss when it comes to hiring VAs, working with VAs, and creating that leverage in their business that comes from a team, whether it's a virtual team, an in-person team, or a combination of the two. And these are some of my favorite types of interviews to do on the Business Creators Radio Show because we get some of the best ideas when we do it this way. Yeah, no, this is, this is, it's great. It's good. This discussion is, it needs to be, to be had. And um, I'm constantly surprised at the number of online business owners who don't really, who don't even have goals. Right. Or who don't have a strategy, but they know they need social media. So they'll just hire a social media person to come in and do their social media. Yeah. Yeah. I need but somebody to do my Facebook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't have a goal, how do you know if you're succeeding? Precisely. Precisely. Or they attended this three-day seminar that uh, totally opened their eyes, or they joined this mastermind. They had the introduction, introductory session with the coach who just kicked their butts like, okay, that's it. No more doing it myself. I'm going to hire... 34 virtual assistants because my competitor only has 17, so I'm going to do twice as many. And uh, and I see my other competitor, they have a Facebook account. I'm going to have two Facebooks, and I'm going to have four people to manage it. So they just hire, 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 and then they have this huge team that goes beyond, way beyond my concept of having differing points of view that broadens the vista, where you just right. have chaos, lack of cohesion, and a bunch of people here don't even know why they're here. Right. Yes. And right. So we, and we go there are, the worth, opposite of the pendulum too quickly. Yeah. And it's worth mentioning too that there are definitely different levels of virtual assistant. I touched on that earlier, but yes. I mean there are trained OBMs, which are online business managers. And if you're right. at a point where you really need someone to manage your business and to take the management of all the separate individual, you know, 
people who are participating on the team, an online business manager can be amazing to, um, you know, to just run that whole thing. Yes. There's also virtual assistants trained and certified in online marketing, which do, does just do your online marketing. Right. That's what their expertise in. So um, just like any company, the as you go, you will build a hierarchy. Um, right. Where you have, you know, different levels of management, different levels of, of doers. <laughs> Right, right. And Elaine, I think a lot of what we're speaking to here is just uh, the idea of something that every business is going to go through as it gets bigger, serves more customers, increases its revenues and profits, this little thing known as growing pains. They Correct. cannot yes. be avoided. So if you're looking for a smooth, incident-free way of doing things, that's just not going to happen. I have had situations where I hired somebody and I thought they were fantastic and the person didn't like the assignment I was giving them. So rather than just tell me they didn't like the assignment, uh, they just kept putting it off and putting it off and I had to chase them down. And finally they said, you know, this this PDF you're asking me to create for your, for your client, uh, I think he's a misogynist and this is all dribble, so I don't want to work with this. And I said, fine, I don't want to work with you because you couldn't tell me that two weeks ago. Yeah, that's I, and, and, I, and I even told her I still would have let you go, but uh, but I would have been happy to recommend you and sing your praises. But since you screwed me and you screwed my client, then I can't help you at all. So you kind of dug your own hole on this one. Sorry. And, um, and it, it's a very small world. It's right. shocking how small the world is. And, you know, that kind of thing happens and it invariably comes back and bites someone on the butt because everyone yeah. seems to know everyone. <laughs> Here, here's, and, here's what I, and here's what I want to remind our listeners of, whether you are a virtual assistant who hires other people to support your business, whether you're somebody who's in need of a virtual assistant to support the business you're in, is you also need to be a great client. You, you need to, I mean, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to screw it up and you're not going to be perfect. So don't worry about all that. But what you need to do is not be a, how do I say this, a high maintenance jerk. Because yeah. that word will spread really fast. Oh, you would be shocked. Uh-huh. It yeah. spreads. It spreads. We, uh, yeah. I mean, it, there, people have jokingly said that there's a virtual blacklist. There it's is. Literally. It's literally smoke. But Yeah. Um, yeah, it may not be yeah, written down all in one place, but believe me, uh, yeah, you become that kind of client, word will spread fast. I've had a couple of... Uh, you know, people in my online marketing business who've landed on my doorstep who are of the, you know, high maintenance, pain in the ass variety. And then, you know, a couple cases, I severed the relationship and they said, you know how bad you've ruined me? You're the ninth person I've hired and nobody can do this for me. I'm going to have to shut down my business. Like, well, oh dear, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and uh, these are the types of people who have gotten a reputation, and the reason why they've been through nine people is because they don't, and I've seen in every case they don't make the effort to be a good client, uh, the kind of client that everybody wants, the kind of client that people would fight over, that they would love to work with. Right. That's what. Yes. You, that's what you to be. We all want to enjoy our days. Right. And whether I enjoy my day working at my thing and, you, you know, someone else enjoys their, you know, their thing, which is totally different. Right. If I have clients who are giving me chest pain, <laughs> um, I will, I, yeah, we'll cut them loose because yeah. nobody needs that. Right. 
Right. And, 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 you know, here's another thing to keep in mind too, just because a client is bad for you doesn't mean they're a bad client. Maybe it just doesn't mix. I've had a couple of those situations and I saw very early yep. in this, it just isn't going to work. So I said, mm -hmm. look, we've already had this, this, and this, and, uh, I'm getting a sense that, uh, maybe you'd be better served somewhere else. And, uh, you know, it might be best if we just stop this now before we really get into it. And, uh, one of those clients came back and hired me later when they were in a different place and it worked out great. All kinds of yeah, situations, I, 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 definitely. I, I, yeah, and that's another thing to remember too is that people do evolve. They can get better and they can get worse. But what I've seen in many cases is people do get better because how many times can you uh, how many times can you fail in a relationship before you begin to look inward? This is true, definitely true. And um, what I wanted to say is that. Um, Sometimes, I mean, there's all different personalities, um, and you might be a more corporate person and you want to mesh with someone who, you know, kind of does that corporate speak, or you might be a more casual person and you want someone who's got a more casual, laid-back, right. um, you know, demeanor, and so that's part of the matching process. You have to be, you have to be cognizant of all of it. Can they do the services that you need, and do they have the personality that you really like to work with? Some people are phone people. They want to talk on the phone twice a day. Some people <laughs> will never talk to you on the phone. Right. They only want email. So there's a lot of things to factor in to find the perfect person. And, um, and they're all equally important for a long-term relationship. Right. And there's also somebody for everybody. I mean, I myself, I want to be on the phone with my clients about once a week. And I want it to be the same date and time every week. I don't want phones ringing off hooks and things like that because if it's not our scheduled appointment and they're calling me, I want to know that something's like important. And I want them to know that if I'm calling them off the appointment that, hey, I really need them. Mm -hmm. and, 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 I've, and I've just found for me and for the clients that succeed with us that that tends to work well. I found that uh, you know, when the client agrees to the idea of you know, we're going to have a weekly meeting every week, it can last up to an hour or so, you know, we'll do strategy, we'll do you know, back and forth conversation, all that, that the relationships tend to work really well. Um, I found that without that, things tend to kind of go off the rails. That's just how it works here. Other results may vary. Now, I have uh, one other question. This is something that has been on my mind um, because somebody told me they had this experience and it's just kind of rings in my brain, even though it happened years ago, is I have mm -hmm. a friend uh, who is a virtual assistant and uh, they were trying to do a project for one of their clients and uh, and uh, they asked a, they asked a few questions they needed from the client to get you know the information they needed to fulfill the job and the client said, that's really none of your concern, I just asked you to do the work. And so what this person did is they, is they, when, they, when they hit reply to the email, they broke the sentence right after the phrase, this is none of your concern. And they said, anything I ask you in order to do the job you've hired me to do is my concern. Therefore, we're done. Oh, dear. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now, this is something that I think we have some, I mean, again, there's all different people, but there seems to be a bit of a generational shift when I started out as a virtual assistant, that it wasn't even a term. We made it up. Right. Um, and um, there's a whole new generation of, um, you know, of virtual assistants coming on who, you know, grew up in a different era, and they seem to be more, like, more stringent boundaries and more. I will not do that. And um, uh huh. And it, it's. I think it's for a different kind of client. 
But I, I think, my personal opinion is that's, that's terribly unprofessional. And, um, you know, I would do everything I can to finish a task even if I've decided that this relationship is not going to continue. And that's what any professional virtual assistant would do. They're right. going to finish up, leave with their head held high, and knowing that they did the best they could for that client, even though that relationship is not going to be, you know, going to work out long term. I, I've had those situations too. I had to leave a client go because they just weren't working out. But uh, but what I said was, you know, what can we do here to get you to a point where you're in a better place now than you were when you came on board? Yeah. And that's what, the kind and, of thing and what else? What else can What else can you really do? But I will tell you, in the case of my friend, that this was also a fairly high maintenance client who had uh, pretty much uh, uh, almost broken the camel's back. So I wanted to put that into play as well. So not only <laughs> was this person difficult to work with in general, and now this person is just asking basic questions in order to be able to complete a task and they're being sit and told that's none of your concern. I mean, my no, that's, well, right. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, I mean, definitely we need to be able to have our questions answered to give you the best product and service. We need right. to. Um, so if the client won't work with you, it's hard for you to work for the client. Right, right. That, yeah, that's, that, that's the thing too. And that comes into being a great client is ensuring that you do the best you can. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Uh, but you do the best you can to be a great client. And when you're the virtual assistant, you do the best you can there too. I mean, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but you do the best you can to communicate with the client, to do an awesome job, and to also assert yourself when you need support from the clients. Yes. Because if, because if, because if you're getting held up because the client is not giving you information you need, but they're real hot and heavy on why isn't this done yet, it's not going to mm -hmm. get done. No. And, and, no. and, Very and, good and, point. Yeah, and my, and my suggestion is to, you know, make sure that you track this stuff too. ask for it by email. Um, if there's a phone call, send a friendly little note after the call that just says, hey, this is that little note I said I was going to send you. Just reply to this with, with this thing that I need. And if you can point to it and say, hey, I, I, I can never get what I need here. Either the, cli yeah. I, the client is going to say, well, shucks, I really should have been paying attention. What can I do to fix this? Or they're just a psychopath and they need to go anyway. <laughs> yeah, there is a learning curve. There's a learning curve with every new relationship, whether it be, right. you know, your boyfriend or your client or your virtual assistant. There's a learning curve and people need to have patience at the beginning as both people get used to the way the other people work, the other person works. And, um, you know, hopefully it will work out and be the best thing that ever happened to your business. Absolutely. So this is one of the, this is, as I said, it's been a very unique interview. And these are some things I've been wanting to chat with somebody about for a while, actually. And uh, what I hope that everybody heard and the dynamic between Elaine and myself is there was a lot of point counterpoint there. And what you <laughs> saw was an exchange of ideas. And in the end, you come up with a much stronger whole and a much greater level of understanding. So this is the type of relationship you need to have with your virtual assistants and as a virtual assistant working with a client where you have the ability to raise points and counterpoints because you're going to get a much better mm -hmm. result and you're going to avoid that tunnel vision and you're not going to be looking back as often saying, well, where the hell did this all go wrong? Because you're going to catch exactly. things as you go. Now, before I turn the floor over to Elaine here, uh, who's going to share something with us here real quick, just one final thing I want to say is um, I'm going to give you a phrase. Uh, Put in your relationships the idea of having what's known as a challenge question, which means that, you know, it's completely 
there, there's no question of a person being right or wrong. You're just challenging the process. Um, and I found that's worked with most of my clients. So what I'd like to do here is we literally have a minute and 12 seconds left. Elaine, uh, just tell us um, how people can get a hold of you and, uh, and uh, how they can work with you, because I know we have some people on the edge of their seat. Oh, awesome. Um, well, my business is OMMSolutions.com, yes. and that's my online marketing uh, business. But the Global Association of Virtual Assistants, which is called, which is GlobalAVA.org, we have um, an RFP service, so anybody can come and for free fill out the form with everything they need and all of our members, it's a huge group, um, who fit your criteria can respond to you. And we also have a service where we will screen candidates for you um, if you just don't have the time to find the perfect person yourself. So, right. um, yeah. Right, right. Okay, great. So, um, and I and I will remind everybody that all of our guest experts, including Elaine Whitfield, do have profiles on businesscreatorsradioshow.com. So, Elaine, thank you very much for honoring us with your presence here today. This has been an experience and an education, and I am so looking forward to this going out to the world. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. And for everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please tune in to our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and on iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing.